The Attributes of God by A.W. Pink The Cursings of God It is solemn to learn that these blessings and cursings proceed from the same mouth. Yet a little reflection will convince a reader that such must be the case. God is light as well as love, holy as well as gracious, righteous as well as merciful. Therefore he expresses his abhorrence of and visits his judgments upon the wicked as truly as he blesses and manifests his approval on those who are pleasing in his sight. An eternal heaven and an eternal hell are the inevitable and ultimate pair of opposites. This awesome duality is displayed in the natural world. On the one hand, her senses are charmed by the golden sunsets, the flowering gardens, the gentle showers in the fertile field. On the other hand, we are shocked and terrified by the fearful tornado, the devouring blights, the devastating flood, and the destructive earthquake. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. Romans 11.22 From Mount Ebal were announced the divine curses. Deuteronomy 27 And from Mount Gerizim the divine blessings, Deuteronomy 28. The one could not be without the other. Thus, too, it will be in the last day, or while Christ will say to his brethren, Come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Yet, to those who despised and rejected him shall he say, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire. Cursed is a ground for your sake, and sorrow shall you eat of it all your days. That one of the consequences which attended Adam's apostasy from God, a part of the divine vengeance which fell upon him, because the first man stood as a covenant head and legal representative of his race, the judgment which came upon him is shared by all his descendants. Adam was a vice-regent of God in this scene. He was given dominion over all things mundane, and when he fell, the effects of his awful sin were evident on every hand. His fair inheritance was blasted. The very ground on which he trod was cursed, so that henceforth it brought forth thorns and thistles, compelling him to toil for his daily bread in the sweat of his face. Every time we cultivate a plot of land, the numerous weeds it produces hinder our efforts and supply very real proof of the divine sentence pronounced in Genesis 3, in events, that we belong to a fallen race. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in man, and makes flesh his arm, and whose heart departs from the Lord. Jeremiah 17 verse 5. A thorough acquaintance with ourselves ought to render the warning of this solemn passage unnecessary. Yet that experience proves otherwise. Have we not sufficient knowledge of ourselves, our changeableness, and utter unreliability to discover that he that trusts in his own heart is a fool? Proverbs 28 verse 26. Then why should we suppose that any of our fellows are more stable and dependable? The best of Adam's race when left to themselves are spectacles of fickleness and frailty. Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Psalm 62 verse 9. 
to seek either the patronage or protection of man is an affront to the Most High, for it puts that confidence in the creature to which the Creator alone is entitled. The folly of such wickedness is emphasized in and makes flesh his arm leaning upon that which is frail and helpless, Second Chronicle 32 verse 8. The Christian needs to turn this awful maldiction into prayer for deliverance from the temptation to look to man for help or relief. Indirectly, yet powerfully, this verse proves that Christ is far more than man, for if it calls down a divine curse for one, to put his trust in man for any temporal advantage, how much more so if he trusts in a mere creature for eternal salvation, if he will not hear, and you will not lay it to heart, to give glory to my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings, yea, I have cursed them already, because you do not lay it to heart, Malachi 2 verse 2, the Lord is very tender of his honor, and will not share his glory with another. Isaiah 48 verse 11 And those who do not take that fact to heart are certain to call down to find wrath upon themselves. Those words in Malachi 2 verse 2 were addressed in the first instance to the priests of Israel. The prophet had reproved them for their sins. Now he declared that if they would not seriously attend to his warnings, and glorify God by repentance and reformation of conduct, then he would blight their temporal mercies. It is a signal favor for man to be called to minister publicly in the name of the Lord, but infidelity entails the most dreadful consequences. Often they are given up to blindness of mind, hardness of heart, and a seared conscience. The principle of this malediction has a much wider bearing and applies both to those who hear the gospel and a nation blessed with its light. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Galatians 1 verse 8. God is very jealous of his gospel, and this verse should also convince his servants and people of the solemn responsibility resting upon them to preserve it in its purity. The gospel of God makes known the only true way of salvation, and therefore any corrupting of it is not only dishonoring to its author, but also most dangerous and disastrous to the souls of men. The apostle was censoring those who were repeating an impossible mixture of law and gospel, insisting that circumcision and compliance with the ceremonial rites of Jerusalem were as necessary as faith in Christ for justification. His was not the language of intemperate zeal, for he repeats the same in the next verse, but a holy fidelity which expresses detestation of an error, which not only insulted the Savior, but also would prove fatal to those who embraced it. The single foundation of a sinner's hope is the merits of Christ, his finished work of redemption. Those who would add to the same by any doings of their own are headed for eternal destruction. Therefore, any who teach men to do so are cursed of God and should be abhorred by his people. For as many as of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Curse as everyone that continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Galatians 3 verse 10. 
The first part of this verse means all who count on being saved by their own performances or rely upon their own obedience for acceptance by God are under the curse of his law and exposed to his wrath. Justification by keeping the law is an utter impossibility for any fallen creature. Why so? Because God's law requires flawless and perpetual conformity, sinless perfection in thought and word and deed, and because it makes no provision for failure to comply with its holy and righteous terms, it is not sufficient to hear about or know the requirements of God's law. They must be met. Thus, it is obvious that a law which already condemns cannot justify that any who hope to merit God's favor by their faulty attempts to obey it are badly deceived. To expect to be warmed by the keen northern blast or to have her thirst quenched by the draft of a liquid fire, were not more, were not so incongruous, John Brown. The statement Galatians 3.10 was made by the apostle to show that every man is under divine condemnation until he flees to Christ for refuge. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, Galatians 3.13. Here is a glorious gospel summed up in a brief sentence, the curse has been born for all those who believe, visited upon the Savior. A way has been opened where guilty sinners may not only escape from the curse of the law, but actually be received into the favor of God. Amazing grace, matchless mercy, all who put their trust in Christ are delivered from the law's sentence of doom, so that they shall never fall under it. We are righteously delivered because as a surety of his people Christ was born under the law, stood in their law place, had all their sins imputed to him, and made himself answerable for them. The law, so finding him, charged him with the same, cursed him, and demanded satisfaction. Accordingly, he was dealt with by the supreme judge. For God spared not his own son, but called upon the sword of justice to smite the shepherd. Zechariah 13 verse 7 By his own consent, the Lord Jesus was made a curse by God himself. Because he paid the ransom price, all believers are redeemed, delivered from God's wrath, and inducted into his blessing. But that which bears Thorns and briars is rejected and is near unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. Hebrews 6 verse 8. This, in sharp contrast with the previous verse, the good ground here brings forth, the Greek signifying a production of what is normal and in its due season. But the graceless professor bears thorns, the Greek word connoting an unnatural and monstrous production. Their herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed, but here worthless thorns and briars. The one receives blessing from God, the other is nigh unto cursing, about to be visited with divine judgment.